everyone. This is the Western Podcast. This is episode seven of season four. My name is Nicole Catalina. I am one of the writers for the Western, and I'd like to thank you all for joining in. As always, I really appreciate the support from you guys so far within and beyond the West. We're actually halfway, nearly halfway through the season. Um, I planned about 16 episodes for this season. Um, so we're nearly at the halfway point. So once we reach that halfway point, we will be taking a bit of a breather, a bit of a break. And during that break, we'll just be spending this time contacting more guests and recording more episodes for everyone. So yeah, we'll just be holding back from re- releasing new episodes. So yeah, um, during this time as well, I hope you guys take the time to tell us what you think about the podcast so far. So if you've been listening to us on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, Don't be afraid to review us or leave us a comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. Or if you want to give us more direct feedback, um, don't be afraid to DM us on Instagram. So our Instagram is at the.western or hit us up on our website, thewestern.com.au. Okay, so I'm just going to start off with an acknowledgement to country. So on behalf of the Western team, we would like to acknowledge the Derek people as the traditional custodians of the land where we are currently recording this podcast. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, emerging, and continue to acknowledge their spiritual connection to country. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Okay, so for this episode, we have another writer. She's actually no stranger to the Western. We've interviewed her before. Um, I think around the same time last year for a live stream, and her name is Lamisa Hack. So born and raised in Liverpool, Lamisa is a budding educator by profession and works with youth at Story Factory based in Parramatta. In 2019, she and five other women co-founded the publication, a volunteer-run online magazine that aims to decolonize spaces and experiences. They publish pieces once a week and aim to inform readers with articles grounded in personal experience. They just recently opened up to contributors and are looking for diverse writers with pitches and ideas that will help build more empathetic conversations. Follow them on Instagram and TikTok and visit their website at the publication for more. So on that note, Lamisa, welcome to the show. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. And it's not the first time we've met. We've met all the way at uni. I know. How crazy is that? <laughs> I know, we've gone such a long way. Yeah. And then I saw you again at We Are The Mainstream. Do you yes, remember that? Yes, I do. I do remember that. And it was such, it was so like weird bumping into you. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, we are doing two separate things and we've never like collaborated. We must do something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, what a small world. I mean, then again, it's Western Sydney, so it's yes, a small true world. That, true yeah. That. But, yeah. you know, I think it's so beautiful to see you grow like Aww. ever since like, You've just had this publication, the publication grow out. and Yes, I didn't know yeah. who I was when we were in uni. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, it's all about finding yourself. <laughs> yeah, so as a bit of an icebreaker, um, I got some inspiration from Laura last episode. Awesome. Um, do you know what I'm holding up right I now? I do. <laughs> okay, we're going to do three questions. Oh my gosh. Um, I shuffled them in advance, but mm-hmm. I'll pick one out and then you can pick two out so i'll start with the first one. Oh, do you feel that an objective person is more indecisive or understanding um oh in what okay so i would <laughs> say in a scenario let's say like a friendship mm-hmm. i said it would work really well mm-hmm. um but if it's objectivity without empathy i would say 
it would not work. It would not be successful. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. That's a fair answer. <laughs> <laughs> Short and sweet. Yeah. All right. Um, you pick one from the deck now. Okay. And. All right. Would you rather be misunderstood or ignored? Hmm. I reckon ignored because if I spend my whole life venting to everyone and like they don't understand the point of what I'm saying, then I'm just wasting my energy. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the worth in that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll do one more. This is for you. Oh. In relationships, which is more important to you? Same likes or dislikes? Hmm. Same likes or dislikes. I would definitely have to say same dislikes. Mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot of things that people do that I do not like. Yes. <laughs> and if my <laughs> partner were to do those things, I would not like him. Yes, talk your shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong. Like, we need a bit of cynicism every now and then. Not too much, you but can like get a healthy a, Yeah, you can get along with no likes or, or limited likes, I feel. Yeah. You can still do it. Exactly. It's possible. Exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't think I... I feel like listeners at home wouldn't know what the hell we're doing. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just going to say... I don't know if I remember if I said it, but we're doing the Reflex game by Flex Mummy, which this is... This is my first time playing it. <gasps> really? I know, but I follow Flex like... I follow everything she does. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy that this is the first time I'm yeah. getting my hands and on you know, these. You know what's funny? This is like the very first edition that she had. Oh, amazing. The very, very, very first. Because this is still in the sachet. Um, oh, wow. Before she had like the packaging and everything. Is, does she still sell them? Oh, yeah. She still sells them. Oh, I'm going to buy all of yeah. them. Yeah. They're expensive. I plan to. <laughs> exactly. It's just I need to save up for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, with that icebreaker out of the way, um, I just want to say thank you again for agreeing to this interview. Um the publication has blossomed so much. It's grown so wonderfully over the last three years. You've opened up so many topics that and think pieces. You you have like you go on a range of topics. You've gone through drama, toxic masculinity, colorism, sexual empowerment, self help books, minority representations, and you guys have been a really amazing educational platform. Like you've done some really amazing coverage with what's been happening in Palestine at the moment on your stories and. Yeah. You are home to many hot takes, which I love. <laughs> I think we need a bit of hot takes in our lives. <laughs> yes. But let's start from the very, very, very beginning. So describe to listeners at home. I mean, I said it a bit in your bio, mm. but what is the publication? Yeah, so we actually knew there were six, six of us mm -hmm. and we had a very similar vision. But it was beautiful because we all had very like separate things that made our vision unique mm -hmm. so it actually took a really long time to sit down and think about like three succinct sentences as to what we are as the publication like mm -hmm. it took so long like probably a year to mm -hmm. think of that and we've just been refining that ever since mm -hmm. so I would say that we are well our main thing is to build empathetic conversations mm -hmm. and to do that through writing informative pieces that are grounded in personal experience because I feel like you can't ever have one without the other yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, I felt like a lot of mainstream media, or we also felt like a lot of the mainstream media that we read, and it's so telling now because of what's happening in Palestine too, it's literally in front of our eyes. Mm -hmm. It's just without context. Mm -hmm. Like, we call it context collapse, mm -hmm. where we read something and we absorb it and we don't know anything else about it. We're just absorbing, like, headlines. Yeah. 
So what we like to do is sit with a topic for a really long time and whether it's like whether it's like um, something that everyone's talking about now or whether it's something that people talked about weeks ago, we sit with it and then try to dissect it, see how it applies to us and then write about it. Um, And we're also really careful not to um, write about voices that aren't ours or or not our own. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we're very careful to be mindful of that. Mm Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, yeah. And I love that approach of having like an empathetic um, conversation or an engagement with your topics because I don't think I've ever encountered a media platform that takes that approach. And that's that's really nice to hear. (laughs) Because I don't, yeah. I mean, I feel like last time I, like one that comes in the top of my head is Rookie, which is now discontinued. Right. So you could be like the new Rookie Mac if you could be. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. but yeah, um, would you say that your sort of brand is an original idea or was did you have anything that was influencing you? Um, like, were you looking up to any um, particular figures or pieces of media that sort of influenced your vision? Because mm, it's hard to be original. Yeah, so. <laughs> I personally, no. Okay, <laughs> I, yeah. gen- I genuinely haven't seen anything quite like, exactly what we do Mm. Uh, they have seen elements of it in different magazines i really looked um in terms of instagram i really liked what amalia was doing right in the beginning like me us looking at like create like um curated types of instagrams and seeing what type of um image like or vision that we wanted to represent on instagram yeah it's really hard (laughs) it's so hard to like figure out what kind of brand we still haven't figured it out we're still like experimenting we're still trying things out all the time Mm -hmm. um and yeah i i personally haven't but when we first started we were looking at like formats of the new yorker and all of the big publications because our goal is that we want to be big yeah yeah and you guys are making it big already hopefully (laughs) no you guys no seriously you guys are like really killing it on instagram and like i see some people like that like some many big figures i know who are like sharing your posts and like yeah we at the beginning we had like people like jamila jamil post our stuff and we're like what we're like what and then (laughs) iway posted a couple of our things um yeah right in the beginning which was like a lot of like it um i guess encouraged us so much to keep going Yeah, yeah 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 Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I kind of want to go into the nitty gritty of like what you guys do because yeah. there's there's six of you, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yourself. yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you said, like you guys post weekly content. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys sort of, and you said, you kind of explained you sit with your ideas for like a long time. So how yes. do you develop that, like get into detail of like how you develop those ideas and is there something unique that each contributor offers mm. to the platform? Like is there something like say for your, you yourself, for example, as an educator, mm-hmm. is there something that you offer something to you unique? Like, does everyone have their own voice? Or yeah, that's a really packed question because <laughs> we've had like so many ups and downs mm-hmm. with trying to get pieces out every single week and making sure that it's not just one homogenous voice yeah. that comes out mm-hmm. and that is six different voices. Yeah. Um, and we found that when we wrote a piece, for example, if I wrote a piece and it would get edited by the same people within the group, mm-hmm. 
then that voice would start becoming a little bit more like washed out. Um, so then we had to like rearrange everything and make sure that only like two people were touching a piece and they were like um, working on a piece, either they're co-writing or um, they were editors mm -hmm. for each other. Mm -hmm. So we found out a system um, and yeah, we just like trying to make it work as efficiently as possible. Um, in terms of like who we are as people, I myself as, am an educator. We have an OT, occupational therapist on board, um, two law students um, who are sisters. Wow. We have a graphic designer, um, Jess, who works with us, but she's also doing her degree at uni. Yeah. Um, something to do with chemistry, I think. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yes um so she's still at uni mm -hmm. and we also have pal who is a writer by profession wow. as well mm -hmm. so yeah we have a range of um and she's also worked a lot in like marketing firms as well right. so we have a massive range um and yeah a lot of our like our degrees really bring in like different perspectives mm -hmm. and we also all write in very different ways mm -hmm. I would say my strength is like vulnerability <laughs> <laughs> I love being like able to be vulnerable in my pieces mm -hmm. whereas um like Tamina and Irisa uh the law students for example are really good at uh, breaking down research mm -hmm. and making sure that research is um palatable and accessible yeah. um which oftentimes it's not. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I love that idea of, like, because it's, it's, it's a very communal effort, what you guys are doing. Um, like, there's no sort of hierarchy in, your, in this platform that you're um, created together. And it's interesting because I think in this podcast so far, we have actually discussed about multiplicity mm -hmm. and trying not to monolith all these experiences into one thing and yeah. I think it's amazing that you guys are able to sort of invent this system of still trying to like re retain your own voice um because yeah like yeah it's awesome yeah, yeah thank you yeah it yeah like I said it was a lot of ups and downs and a lot of confusion in the mm. beginning but we have very meticulous very organized people within our group mm. and I'm forever grateful for that yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful um Let's go down to the next question. Um, I want to discuss this very dirty word, <laughs> and that is decolonize. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because my favorite word, best word. <laughs> we eat it for breakfast, lunch, yes, and dinner. Yes, we breathe it every day, twenty-four-seven. Yes. <laughs> <24/7. laughs> I think, yeah, because I think that's a recurring theme that um, mm. pops up in your um, pieces every now and then. Yeah, and. It is also, I think, a large part of your brand as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to bring it up because this term carries so much gravitas, but I think there can be a tendency to be commonly misused as like a trend or like yeah. a buzzword. Yeah, for sure. So how have you used decolonization as a part of your brand in the publication? Um, for, yeah, so it's such, it is such a massive word mm. and I think we found that we were writing, we actually started writing pieces first mm -hmm. and then figuring out the vision later. Yeah. So we got together like in the initial meetings and really like brainstormed ideas of everything we wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you mentioned, we started off as friends. We're still friends. We're still very good friends. Cute. But it came as 
because we'd sit around and have conversations like this all the time and we just really wanted to make something of it. Mm -hmm. So then when we had an official meeting for the publication, which was not named at that point, Mm -hmm. we really struggled and Mm -hmm. then we were like, why don't we just name it the publication? Mm -hmm. Just own that space. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, we sat down and wrote pieces first, figured out what we really wanted to write about Mm -hmm. and then the decolonizing, that term I'm pretty sure came after that. Right, yeah. So our first piece that we ever kind of really wrote and it went through everybody until we realised, okay, uh, Jess actually wrote it and she ended up rewriting it to make sure that her voice was like, it came out. But her that piece is talking specifically about decolonizing like through language Mm. and how English is like cultural capital. Yeah. And her unlearning that so that she appreciates speaking her own language. Mm-hmm. I think from then on, everything that we talked about had some element of decolonization in it. Yeah. Um, and even though I felt like I knew what it was, that term, mm-hmm. I'm still redefining it yeah. to this day. Like we've been doing it for three years and I realized that like recently after Ramadan, I realized that I needed to decolonize my own idea about my own religion as mm. well which is not something I would ever have thought about beforehand. I thought it had a lot to do with just my culture and my language and the way we see each other and capitalism and everything. Mm. But I never had up until that point applied it to my own religion as well. Right. Yeah. So it really just feeds into everything. Yeah. And even though a piece isn't explicitly about decolonization, I can guarantee you it, it still is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's a great answer. And I think... This is sort of something that we've discussed, as I said, in the podcast as well, that there's so much, there's so many pockets to culture and there's so many pockets to your own identity. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, and everyone's experiences of decolonization is going to be absolutely different. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, like, it's all dependent on your own experiences and your own um, unlearnings in a way. Like, yeah. I don't think, I think what's interesting is that it's not just a matter of, like, you know, removing the, say for myself, for instance, like the like whitewashing parts of mm. like my identity or like the um, making fun of like all the migrants in um, the community. Like it's not about like removing those habits. It's also about like something more deeper than that and like something more unique to your own identity. And I think, yeah, I, I think that's important. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. I think it's also important to add that we think that decolonization is a figurative term, Mm. but in a lot of parts of the world and even in Australia, it's a literal term. Like we are going through, like there are countries that need to go through a process of decolonization and that it's not just like figurative and within ourselves and within our systems. It is literally still everywhere. Yes, yes, 100%. Because I think there was that... I don't know if you saw it, but I think there was an Instagram post about how decolonization is just not a metaphor. And it's no, so exa- I did see that. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I think it's so commonly, it's so interesting because it's so commonly used in academia. Yeah. And they don't really know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic because I'm coming from academia myself. You know what? Every time I type in the word decolonize in UNSW library, nothing comes up. Oh my God. Really? I don't know. I just, I just never find anything 
of substance to my to my liking yeah. when I type in that word. That's crazy. I really think that it's something that needs to be addressed a lot more. Yeah. But I think there's another layer to that. Like mm. not to sort of diverge into. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think there's a no, th- I think it, just going on to academia because we're both academics. Um <laughs> woohoo. <laughs> woo-hoo. Um I think it's interesting because decolonizing academia it's almost oxymoronic because academia is already oh yeah 100% yeah it's an yeah. institutional thing it, that has yeah, some that's level true yeah. yeah it has some level of nepotism in a way oh yeah. yeah I literally my dad was like are you gonna do your masters and I'm like hell to the no <laughs> I want a life first <laughs> <laughs> I just I I was like I'm, I'm a teacher by profession but let me tell you I don't like the educational system exactly. and I don't know if that's problematic to say but I genuinely don't like institutional education it really annoys me yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> and yeah, that's why I'm teaching at a non-profit organization instead of an actual school because I genuinely lose a part of my soul every time I have to yeah. work in a school yeah yeah 100% <laughs> yeah that's actually funny because I think he kind of answered a part of my next question. Mm. My next question was literally, do you practice decolonization in your own experiences outside the platform? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. But that's that's academia. Um, Are there any parts of decolonization in your own life? Yeah, Yeah. 100%. So at the moment, actually for a whole year, I've been wanting to wear like traditional clothes inside the workplace and inside classrooms. Um, so, and I wanted to like practice wearing a lot of like my salwakamis, um, in a workplace rather than just like when I go to somebody else's house for like, um, a party and it's something that is reserved just for a party or something, a special occasion. I wanted to try and incorporate that into like my everyday life. And I already kind of dressed that way. So I just wanted to add that extra element and cause I really genuinely feel comfortable. I did it once. I was so uncomfortable because I went to the city. I wore it once, went to the city. My friend was taking photos of me and I literally like don't know why in that moment I was like, I cannot be here. Um, So then I (laughs) kind of like stopped doing that. But I genuinely want to try that again and get more comfortable with it. Another thing is um, I started being not apologetic um, and trying my best to pray at my workplace at the times that I'm supposed to be praying. Mm. Um, and let me tell you, I feel like a different person. Mm. <laughs> it's very liberating. Wow. That yeah. sounds like really transformative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It really, um, I genuinely hope to continue doing just those little things um, in the process of my own decolonization and also being a lot more involved with, um, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander community as well. Mm. And yeah, just being involved in their causes, um, a lot more incorporating it in my everyday language, a lot better, Mm -hmm. um, trying when I'm at in a classroom and I say my acknowledgement of country, I always feel like really nervous and I want to overcome that and yeah. try and incorporate it, not just at the beginning of the class, but throughout. Yeah. And link it back to everything we learn mm. in the classroom. Yeah, yeah. 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 Lots, lots of layers. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. Yeah. And it's, it's important to recognize those layers because um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember if you wrote it or some one of you guys wrote it, mm-hmm. but 
um, it was this idea of everything you do is political. And I yeah. think it's so true. That was Iris's piece. Oh, um, wow. One of my favorite pieces, actually. Yeah, it's one of my favorite pieces. Yeah. There's so oh many. my gosh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. Because I think that's such a common like response to like when you're engaging with these discourses about decolonization and like trying to oh we make everything make so political yeah exactly yeah. but like it's whether or not it's something you consciously think about it's there's some form of politics within your own actions within what you buy or what you wear or yeah. your own identity and i think that's a perfect example of that and what you've listed so yeah, yeah. that's wonderful um my n- one of my next questions um this is about criticism because mm-hmm. i think from what I've looked at in your Instagram, I think you, there's been some comments that have given you guys a lot of shit and <laughs> <laughs> lots of fights, <laughs> lots of arguments, especially, yeah, your Instagram page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a flaming war. It's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, not in all of your things, mm, but yeah. in a select few. Yes. There's, there's a very the controversial... Posts. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a vocal minority. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, that's been c- popping up. Um, how? What have been some of your sort of most controversial work? Like not just mm. the Instagram stuff, but like what have been published? Like, and how do you guys normally respond to that um, criticism or black backlash? We have a group chat, and oh. we bitch about them in it. No, yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> you should have one for the Western as well. <laughs> secrets, secrets. Yes, yes. Secrets being exposed. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> genuinely, I feel like a lot of them are trolls and people yeah. that like we don't cater for. Like that's not our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not understanding where we're coming from, um, then we would love to have a chat with you. But there's a difference between you coming at me um shoving your opinion at me and like making a decision that you're not going to listen to me Mm. and people that actually come into our dms or comment and ask genuine questions which we're happy to answer Mm -hmm. and have a conversation with because that's literally what the publication is all about like we really genuinely want to be talking to everyone in the community we want to have a conversation with people that's literally our favorite thing to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah um i feel like some of the let me have a look. Um, <laughs> I know the Rumi piece was not controversial, but a lot of people like resonated with it. It yeah, ended up getting like just remind listeners what was that about? Yeah, so it was about how Rumi had been um, whitewashed essentially and written by a white man who couldn't even speak Farsi. Um, he was like Coleman Barks, doesn't even know what Farsi is, translated all this Rumi work and resold it. And now it's like uh, poetry erased of what it actually was about, which was the love of God. Yeah. And it was like whitewashed into something about like just love, like yeah. teenage love. I don't know. So it's like universalizing. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people like A, didn't know about that or um, yeah, they were just really shocked and yeah, I feel like that did really well in terms of, like, engaging people. Mm. Um, in terms of hate, I don't look at hate, to be honest. <laughs> Block off the haters. <laughs> yeah, I, it doesn't really phase me as much. Um, is, it, is it almost like you sort of immobilized to it or, like, you just grew, like, a tough skin because of that? or like? Yeah, you know what it is? It's because we're in a team. Yeah. 
and we have the publication. Mm-hmm. So if it was on my personal and someone came at me, um, then I would be shaking. Mm. But because I have the publication, criticism is a lot easier to take as an organization than it is as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't ever think we've gotten like visibly upset about other people's criticism towards us. Yeah. If it's constructive, we love it. Yeah. If it's if it's not, we laugh at it. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we have each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we probably do the same if we stirred like stirred the pot. Yeah, honestly. yeah. 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 yeah so i know like a lot of influencers who are themselves like um i we at the we are the mainstream i met big bad aj mm-hmm. she's an incredible woman mm-hmm. um i love her with my whole soul um and she is that she's a one person um and one of the questions she was asked was like how do you deal with like bullies online mm-hmm. and for her that's like a really resonating question for me as a publication i have i have the publication to stand behind mm-hmm. So yeah, wow, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I think working coll- like working together as a collective yeah, is just like makes it so much easier, right? Because everyone has your back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think it's not like there's pointing at like one specific person. It's like all of you all at once, but like you know, you still uplift each other. Yeah, well. and like if I want to, I usually handle most of the marketing mm. on our page, but. I make sure that if I'm writing a caption or I want to post about a specific thing or an idea, I run it by the team first Yeah. because you never know, like I'm not all knowing and I want to be, I want to make sure that my tone and the context is all correct. Yeah. So going through a team and making sure that everything is, you know, respectful, mm-hmm. um, but still provocative. Yeah. Um, it really helps when you have a team behind you to do that. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I do you think I think on that note mm. do you think that having like controversial works or like stirring the pot do you think that is that's probably part of like what makes a piece successful or doesn't need to be yeah neat? I mean we always have to have a balance between what we think is going to be clickbaity and what we think people are actually going to benefit from yeah yeah um so there's a lot of pieces on there that didn't get many reads but like are one of my favorite pieces Mm. um but even though they didn't get the reads they got like two or three people who really engaged with it and sent us feedback and we had a great conversation with them and to me that's more successful Mm -hmm. than a piece that got like ten thousand reads even though that was really successful as well um yeah it's just like a measure of i don't know it's yeah we really do have to be clickbaity sometimes yeah no no and, and that's <laughs> sometimes you have no other choice yeah. literally um yeah it's it's a tough balance to yeah. be honest um and i think i think this is something that jay's raised up um a few episodes ago that i don't think it should always be about the likes or like oh no a hundred percent and i feel like we get so caught up like as it like i don't know why i keep saying it every meeting i'm like likes don't matter it's like our follow account really doesn't matter it's it's really the engagement that we're looking for we're looking for more comments we're looking for people messaging us um comments on our website but you still feel that like yeah why isn't this getting like yeah no i, I <laughs> yeah no i i get you yeah because it's almost like you you want sort of like that level of validation you want to see how far that post can go and yeah. see oh my god is this getting shared everywhere is this getting shared around the world and 
yeah yeah you get so obsessed with like the insights page and yes all that so kind of we want to be i guess the, the flip side to that is because we want to be um in western sydney sydney australia and great arts a publication that is trustworthy and people look towards mm-hmm. um like that unfortunately that follower count has to count like yeah it just yeah that's the only flip side to that like the reason that we're trying to grow is so that we can i guess be seen as something trustworthy yeah yeah i, I think it's i think it's working yeah yeah, yeah hopefully it, it is no take my word for it um yeah i've seen like publications that just begin and have like 14 15 000 followers and i'm like how does that happen and then pal's like they pay for it and yeah like, and you can tell yeah. Like, yeah and i'm like oh i'm like should we do that <laughs> and she's like no organic no. always organic i'm like exactly. okay always yeah. organic always organic. yeah yeah no it's just so dishonest if you just buy out everything yeah 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 yeah, yeah. anyway you know what's funny? We're only 30 minutes, but we're actually lo- up to the last two questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very succinct person. <laughs> yes, that is, that's who you are. I think that's what I love about you. You're <laughs> just so straight to the point. <laughs> what does the future of the publication entail this year? Do you have, I mean, are you guys just going to stick with your weekly content for now? Or do you think there's more to come? Do you have events, workshops, or? Oh my gosh, we have so much we want to do, but mm. so little time. We are all I mean. either full-time working or doing uni. I've got two girls that are doing their thesis at the moment. Um, it's oh. pretty crazy. Um, but we still, because this is our passion, um, we still put out time and treat the publication like our baby. Yeah. Um, we want to do so much. So at the moment, at the start of the year, we started to open up to contributors. So we've had an overwhelming response of like, people who want to write for us which is really beautiful we just have haven't sat down as a team to go through them yeah which is what we have to do are most of the contributors like from here or is it literally around the world we have a couple that are like around the world Mm -hmm. Uh, we have most of them from here um we're trying to look for as diverse as possible like our writers of course yeah um and obviously not looking for people that we know like personally yeah yeah (laughs) we really wanted to like reach out and um, open that space up because we've been meaning to do that for a long time but like I said like our vision took so long to really hone down yeah and we sat down and we wrote a code of conduct and made sure that everything was in place for us to start opening up to contributors because we wouldn't want to run into any complications yeah yeah. so yeah so that's one thing Mm -hmm. so we hope to have some new contributors at some point in this year (laughs) hopefully yeah we don't want to keep writing anymore for every (laughs) single week it's so stressful but rewarding yeah yeah yeah, and also we just I think it's also time for the publication to open up to new voices um there's that there's so many other things like we want to run a couple of because I'm on the education side Mm -hmm. I would love to open up to the youth like I have a separate section for like students Mm. um and I've had so many kids show interest in that and I'm really excited to do something there Man, we want to, like, write a whole book. We're do very it, ambitious. Do it. I, I mean, you guys <laughs> have been around for, like, three years. Yeah, we actually, we have, like, Irisa literally messages us, like, every month. And, like, guys, we've written over 80,000 words. That's, like, a book. Yeah. Like, that's over, like. Do it. We more than 
we can write it we can publish a damn book yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah we want to do a lot um for me personally it's reaching out more to the community mm. talking to lovely people like you yeah. um yeah just not so much social media but like because of covid we had mm. so many plans yeah to join uh, like communities and like talk to them and you know just have fun in like in our beautiful community yeah um and have people write for us but covid happened and then yeah. we couldn't do anything yeah. but <laughs> now we can start doing that again so that's definitely something i want to do yes i seriously look forward to that yeah. yeah like i'd love to see what you guys would come up with and like you know like because you guys have like such a plethora of like knowledge and you go on to like so many different topics and different pockets of culture and community that it's just so valuable that i reckon would be so just as valuable to sort of share it to us and even like you know we should collab yeah (laughs) that would be amazing and on that like there's so many social media platforms that we have to like unlock like we recently just kind of figured out tiktok (laughs) (laughs) and we want to be tiktokers yes but it's so hard (laughs) no one is at the age in our team to sit (gasps) there for hours and hours and like i get really frustrated even though like it's really fun and seeing the outcome yeah like it's just so informative yeah so i think another one of our things is taking our pieces and giving like different avenues and different mediums that we can express that knowledge as well yeah absolutely whether whether it's lives or podcasts or whatever whatever it is yeah yeah we want to make that more accessible yeah absolutely 100 percent yeah 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 ambitious (laughs) more the merrier (laughs) my last question to you yeah um what advice would you give to aspiring writers of color who are too afraid to voice their opinion or just too afraid to get out there that was that is me (laughs) (laughs) so what would you give to yourself right now Um, in when back your year at uni you didn't know who the fuck you were (laughs) yeah man i honestly just like support like you need the right people around you to tell you that you're a writer and if somebody tells you you're a writer and you write guess what? You're a damn writer. Like there's, it's just, <laughs> did you get that quote from sister act two? No, because <laughs> they said the same thing. No, are you kidding? <laughs> yes. It's literally, I'm not original. No, what? No. <laughs> it's literally not literally the sister Maybe act two quote. I subconsciously heard yeah. it somewhere. It happens. That cannot, okay. I don't believe. Let's just, let's, that. Just, <laughs> let's just write it off as a coincidence, <laughs> but yes, continue. Yeah. Like, no, I just, um so on my personal I wrote as like my business whatever the thing I wrote a writer and I've been putting that there because I want to like live up to it and if I put it there then I'm going to work towards that whatever my idea of being a writer is so yeah just the support I really sucked I cannot tell you how much I sucked at writing essays at uni um like all the stuff that we did together, Nicole, I gave everything in late. Okay. Yeah. 10%. I lost 10% it's, on everything. It's, it's colored people time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I just couldn't, like I had such a mad anxiety about, about writing, yeah. trying to be like a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And I realized just the editing process is where m- most of the things happen. Mm-hmm. So if you write something and you're like, this is absolute shit, it probably is because it's the first time you wrote it. Mm-hmm. 
um so yeah I don't know I don't know if that's like a cliche thing to say but genuinely like the people around me um who gave me that support that writing support and they knew how to like they wouldn't look at my writing and be like this is really bad Mm -hmm. they'd be like this these parts are really great you should like enhance them in this 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 way yeah it's it's like you sort of have a very healthy sort of circle and it kind of goes back to this idea of you're only as good as the people you hang out with a hundred percent yeah 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 that's wonderful yeah no and yeah and if you uh like come and write for us like we would love to have you like Mm. whoever feels like they want to write but they don't feel like they can write for us <laughs> like we will help you <laughs> yeah and you don't know like what stories are out there or, like whose voices are just you know are absolutely like li- li- some like a lot of writing is such like a overlooked thing mm, like a hundred percent such an unassuming like yeah medium yeah like you know when you think about like not to go off of divergent but yeah um like films, for instance, like people always credit the director, but never like whoever wrote the mm. script. Like you have to give credit where credit's due, whoever wrote the story or whoever, you know, yeah. That's yeah. And I think that's the m- main part about the publication is that we champion writing over everything else. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is like complementary to that. Yeah. To aid that understanding of that writing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it brings more power to writing. Yeah, yeah, more Love power that. to words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that concludes the interview. Thank you, Lamisa, once again. Yay, thank you so much for having me. All good. Um, just remind us where we can follow you and where we can follow the publication. So we have our website, which is thepublication.com, and publication is spelt with P V B, lication. So instead of a U, it's a V. Um, if you ask why, there is literally, I think there is a, um, a highlight on our Instagram that explains, <laughs> different people explain what the V stands for. Mm-hmm. So we have our website, we have our Instagram, um, which is where most of our graphics and like communication comes from. Mm-hmm. We're also trying on TikTok. We're doing quite well, despite like us posting like three videos. <laughs> um, so yeah, TikTok, uh, instagram and check out our website for all our pieces mm. and where can we follow you personally if you want to stalk <laughs> <laughs> my my personal is wanda missa mm-hmm. i've um it's my twitter name back in year nine and i never dropped it cute um so yeah that's my personal um and yeah come and have a chat with me i'd love to talk Woo-hoo. Ooh, <laughs> slide into your dms yeah. <laughs> anyway thank you once again lamisa that was such a beautiful chat This episode of The Western Podcast is hosted and edited by Nicole Catalina, with intro and outro music by The Western co-founder, Clarissa May. The Western is founded by our editor-in-chief, Laura Ranola, and recorded at our Duneside home in Western Sydney. You can follow us on Facebook at The Western and on Instagram at the.western. Again, that's at the.western. For more interviews, live pieces, and content from us, visit our website at thewestern.com.au. Thank you for listening. Peace out.